to say that TJ Warren's been playing exceptional is honestly quite an understatement. He's been playing out of this world. Hey, straighten your elbow. Quinn Leonard's like, okay. And then he like makes 10 in a row. Yeah, I think we came in expecting 2016 Draymond Green stats when got 2020 Draymond Green stats. He's made the biggest difference when he's on the floor versus when he's off. He's just been a lights-out shooter and very reliable. Hey guys, welcome back to episode 10 of the Flashy Stats Fantasy Podcast. My name is Vince and I'm joined here by Matt, Mike, Giuseppe, and a really scratchy voice today. And today we're coming at you with some of our observations from the NBA's bubble. It's been super exciting so far, a lot of great storylines. One of the biggest ones, besides the fact that Devin Booker just hit up Kendall Jenner, is the fact that TJ Warren has been nearly unstoppable. So putting up 30 pieces as if it's nothing. And even though he had a cold game last night, I know we want to talk a little bit about how his value might change going forward just to get us started off here. So, Matt, I'm going to kick it to you to get us going with that. To say that TJ Warren has been playing exceptional is honestly quite an understatement. He's been playing out of this world. He's averaging 34.8 points on a very, very hot 60.5% shooting, including 55.6 from three. He's honestly just unstoppable right now. And he's going to start demanding a lot more respect from teams in the upcoming games. Dude, honestly, though, like, I feel like TJ Warren is one of the, like, least talked about 20-point-a-game scorers ever. Like, I feel like nobody ever talks about the fact that he's been a good scorer for at least the past three years. Like, he shoots 54% a game, and he puts up 20 points a game. And I feel like he never gets brought up in anybody's list, but I think he's been really good for a long time. And obviously, this is a hot streak that I don't think is sustainable, and it's probably in just opportunity meets preparation, but... I just think he's a good basketball player. Yeah, looking back in the stats, I'm actually surprised by how well he was doing early on, two or three years ago. Never really had TJ Warren on my radar, but I know my boy um, Mike last year had him and he really liked him. So I was trying to trade for him last season, but almost a 20-point score for the past three years. I really don't see why the Phoenix Suns traded him for cash considerations. Maybe they were fearing that he would want a bigger contract, but having a 20-point scorer on your team on a really cheap deal. I think he was getting two or three million a year at the time. I don't see why they went to trade him unless getting Kelly Oubre had anything to do with it. The Washington Wizards really didn't have anything to play for in this bubble. Uh, I don't think there was ever a chance they were going to make the eighth seed, especially considering Bradley Beal opted out. But one bright spot I saw watching them play in the bubble was Thomas Bryant. I believe they were playing the 76ers and he had a really good game. Thomas Bryant was playing against Joel Embiid, and Joel Embiid has a history of slacking off players and kind of disrespecting them, daring them to shoot their shot in the mid-range or three-point. Thomas Bryant was hitting a lot of them, and it looked like it was in the plan for Scott Brooks to get Thomas Bryant open for mid-range, and it was really working for them. You could see Thomas Bryant really grow into a role that I've never seen him before. Yeah, I feel like the Wizards have kind of known what they've had with Bryant for a minute now. They did have Gortat, who at the time was a solid center, and they gave him away for, if I remember, not very much to give Thomas Bryant more time in the front court. He's been a very good shot blocker throughout his entire bubble. He's put up great defensive stats. He's been consistent. Yeah, he's definitely improved on my own radar as well. I guess we'll have to see how he plays with Beal in Wall, but for now it's promising. Thomas Bryant, that game had 19 points, four blocks, two steals, shooting eight for 17 and a three-pointer. That really, you know, opened my eyes to what Thomas Bryant has the ability to do. And hopefully with Bradley Beal and John Wall there, he'll have a lot more opportunities considering they'll warrant a lot more attention. 
You know who else has just been really hot lately that I feel like not a lot of people are talking about very much, at least not more so than normal, is Luca. I mean, we just talked about him in the last couple episodes, and he's always, like, been a very good player and put up really good stats. But, like, he, the past five games, has three triple doubles, and, like, two of those were really strange, historic stat lines. And he's putting up, like, 30 or 40 points a game since the bubble. And if this is telling for his improvement, the continued improvement as a player, then he may jump on a lot of fantasy lists for next year. Yeah, we already talked about how high we have him our on our list and seeing him play in the bubble even makes us want to put him even higher like top three player which we already knew he was but i think he has the highest potential in the league so i think if we're going to talk about luca in the bubble then i think we also need to talk about devin booker in the bubble devin booker's been playing incredible we should be talking about the entire sun's team in the bubble in general and all the players that you guys are hating on a few episodes ago that I hype up are all playing exceptional, like out of their minds. Who we hate, especially yeah. like I remember we were talking on an episode, and I was talking about you were saying how you think that the Dallas Mavericks have a deeper bench, deeper team than than the Suns. And I brought up players like Cameron Johnson and Mikel Bridges, and you're like, I said like Aaron Baines, like you, whoa, whoa, you should have stopped there. And you guys were hating on their whole team. Cameron Johnson's the fastest Sun to 103 pointers. I was on your side. Vince was saying that the Mavs had more bench players. A better I bench. still think the Mavs are a deeper team than the Suns. I don't think so. They could be currently, as in the amount of points that they provide off the bench currently. Potential-wise, though, the Suns have a, they have a way deeper team with regards to potential. I mean, I know Mikel Bridges hasn't scored a lot or hasn't shown anything flashy in the bubble, but he's providing in all defensive areas. Mike, I know you're a fan of the Suns, and... You have first dibs on all those guys. Like, you've been the first person to say, you know, Michael Bridges is going to be good. He's going to be, you know, he's going to play his role in, in fantasy basketball. And same with Cameron Johnson. You've been saying it since he got drafted. You liked him. But you can see in the bubble exactly why you thought that. These players are playing phenomenally well. They're playing very well together. And like you said, the Suns have a very deep team in terms of potential in the coming years like these players if they be, if they become better they become really important fantasy options in the future and i don't think there's any team that has more potential depth on their team than the denver nuggets i think the denver nuggets gm has done a phenomenal job in the past years drafting young prospects with very high potential considering they picked michael porter jr 14th they got lucky that he dropped to him because the year before, I think he was projected to be number one in the following draft. He had a back injury, so he kind of fell to the Nuggets. And they were the team that said, all right, we're going to take our risk. We're going to have him sit out a year, recover, and we'll see what he can do this year. And Michael Porter Jr. has really had a phenomenal start in the bubble. And we saw a little bit of Michael Porter Jr. near the end of the regular season before the season was postponed. And there was an issue with the Denver Nuggets where there's a lot of positive COVID cases, so... A lot of starters, a lot of big-time players couldn't play the early stages. So Michael Porter Jr. got an opportunity early on in the bubble, and he really hasn't looked back. He's been amazing. Every time I'm looking at the box score, Michael Porter Jr. is number one in points. We knew the potential was there. We just need to see him with an opportunity in the NBA, and I'm really glad he's got an opportunity to play. Yeah, I suppose I should go here on record as apologizing. For literally, like, right before the bubble started, people were talking about the Nuggets. I was like, I really like the team, but people need to stop hyping up Michael Porter Jr. because it's been two years and he hasn't really done anything. And he's been putting up 30 pieces in my mouth ever since I said that. So 
Michael Porter Jr., Bull Bull. Like, this Nuggets team is one of the few teams in the NBA that I could genuinely say, like, everyone eats on that team. Last game, they had eight double-digit scorers, and everybody that played scored multiple times. Like, everyone eats, and Michael Porter Jr. has just emerged as a young star in that roster. And I did not think that that was going to happen. So, again, I'm going to admit that I was wrong on this one. And that's funny coming from you, especially as a 76ers fan, where you had Embiid miss out his first year and Ben Simmons also be injured in his first year. So I'm surprised you were the you were the one to say that, you know, Michael Porter Jr. maybe wasn't the risk. I don't know. I just think that's ironic because those two players didn't have a first season. Like yeah. And Jr. so the reason why that's kind of different to me is because one but Ben Simmons, actually, it was more of like, I want to believe in this guy because if he's not good, I will be just really upset. And so I was like, I just, just hopeful for that one. Joel Embiid, I thought that he was good from what I'd seen out of him. And then like literally the first like two weeks he played in the NBA, he was putting up 20 points in 20 minutes like every night. And Michael Porter Jr., when he came back, like he's been kind of oft injured. I guess we just haven't really seen his true potential until now with it. But there are a lot of times where top picks get an injury and it really derails him for a while. But there's also times where you have guys like Michael Porter Jr. that just have to get fully healthy to get into the swing of things. And hopefully this is not just a, a hot streak for him. It's just a start of a new path for Michael Porter Jr. to actually being the player that he was destined to be when he was in high school at the beginning of college and he was like the top recruit. I think the biggest difference between those three, looking back, is that Embiid came in as the number one center. He's going to be our guy at center. We're going to wait a year on him, and he'll be great. When he, and then when he did come back, he played amazing, like you said. And Ben Simmons, same thing. He's going to be our point guard. He's going to be our guy that's going to handle the ball. He's a generational talent, and this is what we want. We're going to wait on him until he's healthy, and then we're going to play him. So right away, they both got an opportunity to start to be the star of the team, whereas Michael Porter Jr. joined a very deep Denver Nuggets team that has a lot of role players. The Nuggets are very well competing in the West, being the third seed right now. They're having a phenomenal season. And maybe Michael Porter Jr. just wasn't ready to join the rotation, you know, or be a big part of the rotation yet. He's still very young. He's 22 years old. He wasn't given the opportunity that Ben Simmons and Embiid were. So maybe that's the reason why some people were, you know, hesitant on Michael Porter Jr. Because they expected to see him come in, start right away. Just the depth on this Denver's Nuggets team didn't allow him to get into the rotation quick enough. Yeah, the Nuggets have, do they have the best depth in the NBA? They might. I feel like the Raptors might also have a Clippers. I think the Denver Nuggets have the best. I think the I mean, Nuggets too. And the reason why I say that is because even like the players in this bench that aren't great, like look at Malik Beasley. He was not getting a lot of minutes on the Nuggets. If you look at their roster, like every player on here, I have memories of them just having games where they stood out and were really good. Yeah, absolutely. Even if Mason Plumlee was back in college. Mason Plumlee had a great game yesterday. I was actually going to mention him. He's oh, really? <laughs> a workhorse. Like he works so hard for that team. He also seems like a big leader on that second unit. I was really surprised because last night the Denver Nuggets benched and rested Jokic a lot. You know, a lot of their starters were, were rested, but their bench was playing phenomenal. I saw players like PJ Dozier, and I thought he was a great, another great prospect, along with Keita Bates Diop from Ohio State. Like those guys looked phenomenal for being, you know, occasionally in the in the rotation. And they got a player in Monte Morris. And I was just really impressed with the Denver Nuggets bench. And like you said, Malik Beasley, he was a bench player playing a role for this Denver Nuggets team, got traded to Minnesota and became a 20 point uh, 20 point scorer. I think we got to give some credit to their scouting team and the GM for picking really young, really good players with with some great potential. I think that out of the four of us, 
I was probably always the lowest on the Nuggets. I can see that they do have a lot of depth, but I think the biggest thing going for the Nuggets is that they're one of the most versatile teams that are going to be competing in the West. And when I, when I say that is they can almost adapt to any other team that they're playing, whether that means that they're going to play their tall lineup against the Rockets or what the case might be. I think that they have a lot of players, and as you said, role players that they can insert in certain spots where no matter what team they're playing, they can find a nice little way to counter it and force the other team to adapt to them versus it really be them adapting. They are adapting, but it's almost like they're not because they have the players that have the ability to do that. The Denver Nuggets have the best pass-first centers. Obviously, Jokic is the best center when it comes to assists and passes. He has phenomenal vision for a center. It's really rubbing off on people like Mason Plumley and Bull Bull. I saw their passes last night. They were making passes that some point guards couldn't make. I was really impressed by that. I don't know if that's something they're teaching over there in Denver, but that causes a lot of matchup issues. When your center can be a playmaker, it's very hard for, for teams to defend that sometimes. We'll have to see how, because Denver has always been a team, and this is why I always say that, like, to me, even though the Spurs are still around and could make the playoffs, especially since they just got a dub over the Rockets. They're going to make uh, the playoffs. I think the Denver Nuggets are the new, like, a few years ago Spurs, where they're really deep, and they just play really intelligent basketball. And I think that has a lot to do with Mike Malone. I just don't feel like enough people talk about him as one of the premier coaches in the league. Fantasy-wise, I do want to see how this, like, really, like Mike said, versatile switching players around, having their centers play point guard, how that's going to affect players like Jokic and their assists and turnovers and rebounds even, because rebounds have been evenly split throughout the whole team for the past few games. So that's definitely going to be something to monitor for the future. But I think that the Denver Nuggets, from GMs to coach to their roster, are one of the most promising teams for me, fantasy-wise and just in the league in general. And I'm excited for their playoff run this year to see what they can pull out. So you guys are saying that the – the Denver Nuggets are on your list of teams that you can see potentially taking the West or taking the conference, uh, the championship. What, what do you guys mean by that? You you see them as being a team that's going to compete? Absolutely. I'm thinking more fantasy-wise, too. They have a great potential when it comes to their people off the bench and where their role can be. I'm excited to see them in the playoffs more. Yeah, I think that the Clippers and Lakers have a better chance of making it out of the West. To me, honestly, I think that after that, it's the Nuggets. You could definitely bring up the Rockets in that conversation as well. I Yeah, I think that beyond the Lakers and Clippers, that the Nuggets have the best shot of making it out of the West because they have a lot of depth. Jokic, I feel like we could say at this point, is the best or one of the best centers in the NBA and is a bona fide superstar. I think that they have a genuine shot in a seven-game series, especially if what we just saw out of the, none of their players playing more than 25 minutes a game and they – almost beat the Lakers, who had Kyle Kuzma on fire. I think that's a great sign going right into the playoffs for this team. And Skinny Jokic has been a good experiment so far, and they're doing well. I'm just – I'm here for to see who's going against the Lakers. I have teams that I would rather see make playoffs just because I like them, a.k.a. the Suns. But I don't think that they stand the best chance against the Lakers, provided they get that eight seed. I don't know. I, I think that maybe Portland would have the best chance of beating the Lakers. I don't really see Memphis – Losing Jaron Jackson, putting up a fight, and that Spurs team is – I'm not really sure. I, I don't see them being the <laughs> Lakers. I don't know what else to say about it. Like, they're a good the first team. <laughs> they are. Or how they always are. And I couldn't like, find a way to say anything negative without bringing up DeRozan. Like, I love DeRozan, and there's no reason for me to bash him, but he hasn't done super well in the playoffs. So, When it comes to the first-round matchup, I think the Spurs are probably the easiest – 
for the Lakers. I think that those both of them the easiest. But you say that over the over over Memphis. Mm, for some reason, the Mo- Memphis are a seed, and everyone is counting them out like completely. We're always talking about are the Suns going to make it? Are the Trailblazers going to make it? Are the Spurs going to make it? Personally, I think the Spurs are going to make it. I don't know. They haven't missed the playoffs in years, and I think it's some kind of like voodoo things that they did. they just always make the playoffs. And somehow, some way, they're going to make the playoffs this year. They're going to need the Suns to lose a game and Trailblazers to lose two and Spurs win their only game. But I think they're going to do it. And then once they get into the play-in, they're going to have to beat Memphis in two games. So the way the play-in works is the A-seed, which is the Memphis Grizzlies right now, they would only need to win one game out of three. So for the Lakers, I think their easiest matchup is Memphis, and their hardest is definitely Trailblazers, considering Damian Litter is going off. Definitely first team all bubble, but <laughs> but I think the Spurs are gonna squeeze through like they always do. Yeah, I feel like the reason why people aren't talking about the Grizzlies for the eighth seed is not because they're not like the least likely to get it. I think it's just because people have assumed that they were going to be in that eight or nine range. So it's just like, oh, who's going to be the other team in that? And I think it's really crazy. I think we should talk about the fact that the Pelicans, who a lot of people were saying had the easiest schedule going into the bubble, were officially eliminated. And J.J. Reddick's 14-year NBA playoff streak came to an end. I think a lot of players in that team, I think Brandon Ingram was the only one who was good like every single game. And a lot of players in that team were people had really high hopes for that they were going to turn around or play really well, myself included, with like Lonzo or Zion and not that I was hoping the Pelicans make the playoffs, but I just thought with all that talent, young talent on their roster and a schedule that included a lot of lower edge teams in the seating here, they would be not the first team eliminated out of the bubble. Yeah, absolutely. I think Lonzo Ball had the most disappointed performances in the bubble than any other player. I think a lot of people expected Lonzo Ball to come in really ready to push for that eighth seed and maybe make the playoffs with this really young team. I think Lonzo more than anyone has really had a bad bubble. Yeah, I think we came in expecting 2016 Draymond Green stats out of Lonzo and got 2020 Draymond Green stats out of Lonzo. I couldn't have said it better myself, especially (laughs) someone having Draymond Green on their team this year. Most disappointing season ever. You know who else has been going off and I feel like it's been understated because the Sixers have been fairly disappointing in the first few games and Ben Simmons got injured and it's just not looking great for them to make it out of the first round this year. But Joel Embiid has been the only player on that team that has been consistently game in and game out, keeping them afloat. And they've had good games out of like Josh Richardson or Shake Milton, but Embiid has put up around 30 points a game for the past five games before he hurt himself in this last game, which I'm hoping is a simple, like just needed to rest for a little bit and he'll be back for the next one. But he's been keeping that Sixers team afloat and keeping them close or winning in a lot of games so far. Which he should be. He's a definitely a top five center in the NBA, fantasy-wise. You expect it on a Joel Embiid. He's had a great bubble, like better than any other center. I think he's the number one center in the bubble. Um, All-NBA so bubble? Yeah. <laughs> I think he's All-NBA bubble along with Lillard and TJ Warren. Devin yeah. Booker. The All-NBA bubble team is definitely Lillard, Booker, TJ Warren, Embiid and Bull Bull. Scrimmage <laughs> Bull Bull. Embiid and Bobon. I don't know. Who, I don't know who would be the fourth guy or the fifth guy, but those four. Siakam for sure. Siakam, yeah, he could be up there. Would they beat the All NBA Kendall Jenner team, or who are you taking? <laughs> who are you taking in that matchup? Well, for some reason, the All NBA Kendall Jenner team are all very injury prone, <laughs> with Blake Griffin and Ben Simmons. But Devin Booker yeah. would have to play against himself, and he's a way better on offense than defense. So that'd be interesting to watch. 
Yeah, Kyle Kuzma saw that uh, Devin Booker was shooting in the DMs, and now all of a sudden he, he pops off in his last game, asserting himself. In that, I think that's why. That's that a good team. point. We have to look into that. That's exactly what happened. There's, there's some correlation between oh that, God. between the strawberry post and Kyle Kuzma's going crazy game. I think the next guy on um, Kendall Jenner's list is this guy, Gary Trent Jr. from the Trailblazers. That was the smoothest transition. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, if she if she goes after Gary Trent, perfect. I'm about to go crazy. Oh, my God. Just tell me that was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. You've earned it. You've earned your floor. Talk about Gary Trent Jr. all you want. My boy Gary Trent Jr. got picked two years ago, 37th overall in 2018 draft. We didn't see much of him last year, but this year you could see him start to fill a role behind CJ McCollum. And I'm here to say that I think that Gary Trent Jr. will take over CJ McCollum's role maybe in a year or two if he gets traded or, or goes to a different team. But I think he's a way better shooter. Overall, CJ McCollum is more polished and his ability to score off the dribble and maybe create more but I think Gary Trent Jr. is more of a player like Clay Thompson where he can shoot the lights out you know work really hard and defend and I think he's someone that you want to look out for you see him taking like a significant role on that team provided that they have Lillard McCollum Mello and you know Whiteside you see him fitting more in that starter role or are you saying he's going to provide off the bench Maybe for next year, he'll continue coming off the bench. But at some point, they're going to have to step away from their experiment they did in Portland. They've been trying for years. They've been in that 6 to 10 range every year. He's They're always in the playoffs. They're always on the bubble. They're always competing. Like, they're beating people in the first round. They're beating them in the second round in some cases. But for the most part, their experiment was successful to the point where they made playoffs. They've been competing but they never made to the next step. And I think that they're eventually going to have to either trade Lillard or if he stays there, they're going to have to rebuild around him because I don't think Whiteside's there to stay. I don't really like the pairing of Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. I've never been a big fan of CJ McCollum as an NBA player. As a fantasy player, I think he he does all right. I don't think he's ever been a top 10 player. I don't think he'll ever will be. And I think someone like Gary Trent, being that he's only 21 years old, he has a lot of potential. That's something to look out for that that shooting guard position in Portland for the next coming years. I was going to say that Gary Trent Jr. is actually shooting better outside the arc than he is inside the arc, which is honestly incredible. Shoot or shoot. Shoot or shoot. And I do want to make sure that I get in a retort here because I think that we can't in the same strain say that the Nuggets have like a really promising future and are doing everything right, but then also say that Portland needs to rebuild their team because this year they're right on the in the precipice or right near playoffs. And we might see that and be like, oh, they've gotten worse. But last year they beat the Nuggets in a seven-game series where CJ McCollum went off and they were the three seed and they made the Western Conference Finals. And they made the playoffs for seven years in a row now. I think that this year they had to trade away some of their depth to get Hassan Whiteside because Nurkic was hurt. And now that Nurkic is back and he's playing really well, the team is playing better itself. And I don't really know what Whiteside's future is in Portland, but I think that surrounding just some key role players with Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, Yusuf Nurkic is enough to make a really solid playoff team for years. And I know that Portland as a small market team has always struggled with drawing in free agents and they've had players that have left to go to bigger teams. And hopefully Damian Lillard, like he's been saying, is here to stay because he is the brightest spot on that Trailblazers team and he's been amazing lately. 
Also, yeah. he's been beefing with everyone, and not everyone, but he had that beef with Paul George a few days ago, where he absolutely just told off PG and Patrick Beverly, and then put up fifty the next night. He was Twitter ranting against Skip Bayless. I am loving Bubble Twitter, Damian Lillard almost as much as Bubble Twitter Phoenix Suns. Yeah, there's a reason why he Damian Lillard is our number one point guard for fantasy next year. You know, he's a phenomenal player, but Hassan Whiteside is on his final year of his four-year contract. He's going to be a free agent next season. If he wants to come back and play with the Trailblazers again on a cheaper deal, they might have to work something out there, but I don't see him on the Trailblazers next year. I think they just took a risk again. They're like, Damian Lillard is only going to be good for so long. He's what we got. We're going to try to win with him. So they took another risk getting Hassan Whiteside. Let's see how it works this year. If they make the playoffs and beat the Lakers in the first round, that would be amazing, you know. But like I said, Hassan Whiteside is 31 years old. He's only going to be able to block people for so long. They're going to have to rebuild. If it's not this year, it's next year. And when when that happens, Gary Trent Jr. is going to be a top 10 shooting guard. Wow. That, that was bold. Might be, that was bold. You're wrong. You might be the first person to say that. Yeah. And that's really cool. I actually, before this year, I was looking at that Trailblazers roster, and I actually thought that Anthony Simons was going to be the one in that backcourt to really step up as a third option off the bench. And he has. Like, he's gotten better. But, yeah, Trent has really stepped up and crazy take by saying that he's going to be a top-10 shooting guard and overtake CJ McCollum. I guess it certainly could happen. I do like the Blazers' young core. But, yeah, that's a crazy prediction. I like it. I, I would have to agree with you, Vince. I, I thought it was me, Anthony Simons, that was going to be stepping up. So I was really, really surprised when I saw Trent Jr. pulling his weight in, in Portland here in the bubble. Yeah, and I think everyone did. When I saw Damian Lillard or CJ McCollum go down for a week or two, I'd pick up Simons hoping that he'd be the guy that they would rely on. But more and more towards the end of the season, Gary Trent was getting more minutes and you know producing a lot more than Simons. So I'm really excited to see what Gary Trent Jr. can do for – the next couple games and hopefully we can see him play in the playoffs too i think he'll be really sneaky for any dynasty draft too i could definitely see somebody scooping him up i.e giuseppe absolutely and... <laughs> i wish i wouldn't have said that so i could have got a got him a little easier but it doesn't sound like you guys are on board so no he's all you man I, i'm not i'm not thank I'm you not you get cam me. johnson i get gary trent all right fine i get shake milton okay vince that's all oh, you, man. <laughs> mike mike picked him up for you that doesn't count <laughs> Yeah, but I believed in him. You believe in any 76ers. Night, That's your biggest fault. You what? believe in the 76ers. Dude, you're a Pistons fan. <laughs> and so am I. Yeah. Dude. You guys I know. Like the only thing, the only thing worse than being a Pistons fan is being a Pistons fan and a 76ers fan. Yeah, you could also be a, just a Detroit sports fan in general. I know. Trust me, I know. <laughs> hey, the Tigers are playing well. Yeah, I, why though? The only season that we're not going to actually finish. We're starting to play well. I know. Are we becoming a baseball podcast? <laughs> no, I, I, we are I, not. I, Absolutely I don't not. Pay attention to baseball at all. It's because my friends. I know like five MLB players. I know like two, and both of them are Miguel Cabrera. Because <laughs> <laughs> he counts as two people. <laughs> I said, "Welcome." To the Flashy Stats Fantasy Baseball Podcast. That'd be worse than this one. <laughs> <laughs> Today we're going to talk about Maglior Donetsk and how we miss him. <laughs> Brandon Lynch coming back for time. <laughs> <laughs> and Austin Jackson back to the tracks. Uh, how do we get from Gary Trent to the Tigers? I don't know, but I need, I need to add in. Cam uh, Johnson? 
No. If you don't talk about Cam Johnson, I'm gonna be disappointed. Yeah, Mike, that's really all I want to hear out of you is me too. I wanna I wanna put it in paper that you hype up Cam Johnson. So either yeah. it's I, good I mean, for you it. or I did a little bit when you I was did a little bit. the fastest son to hundred three point three pointers. I mean he's putting up he's putting up decent numbers. He's he's scoring well, but he's not not doing anything crazy because you know obviously Devin Booker's playing out of his mind. I think his just biggest contribution is that his plus minus on the floor, every game he's made the biggest difference when he's on the floor versus when he's off. He's just been a lights out shooter and very reliable for that Suns team. It's that spark that they needed on the offensive end if they couldn't get anything going. Because I think that's what their biggest issue was for the longest time. No offense to a player like Rubio, great on the assist ends. He's just not, he's not a very good scorer. So if Booker Ubre didn't really show up on a given night, they really didn't have anyone else. So having that other player like Cameron Johnson, who, has been shooting very well, especially that three ball. And it's just, it's just been huge for that team. And then when you have, you know, Mikel Bridges being, and in my opinion, what will be an elite defender in the league for his position being small forward, he's got an elite length. So he can guard the one through the four position as a small forward, which is huge. So I, I just think that the pieces that they have, and it's really sad that the Suns are getting all these, all the hype with my boy Ubre out and thinking that maybe he might have been an issue. I'm just really excited that they have all these different pieces that have been working very well together. Whereas individually, the players on their own wouldn't do well in a different situation or on a different team. I don't think that Ubre was a problem by any means. I do think that they just have a lot of other players that have just been playing really, really well. And also, like you mentioned, Mikel Bridges, Javon Carter was also drafted. Was he from? Is he from Virginia? West, West Virginia, Virginia, baby. West- I watched. I hate, I watched. He's from West Virginia. Yeah, dude. I like the basketball team. So he's a great defender. Press Virginia alum. (laughs) You know who else though has been? I hate to pull us off the Suns because yeah, I just don't want to talk about Cameron Johnson. But the Nets that was rude. Have been. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I tried. I I've been like sending you guys like, oh, like I like the social media team. Like they've been a fun team to watch. And you guys every single time were like. Vince, you can't say anything positive about the Suns. You said <laughs> that Beal was better than Booker. You don't get to be a Suns That's fan. true. It's just because I've already claimed them. That's why. That's yeah. Reason. Well, if I don't get to be a Suns fan, then we're going to talk about the Nets. Or the Sixers. Because the Nets are on a winning streak. Let's if you're going to talk about the Sixers, then by all means, be a Suns fan. I don't care. <laughs> I don't want to hear about the Sixers. <laughs> <laughs> I said the Nets. <laughs> I know. And uh, I just wanted the best with you. Let's hear about the Nets. I want to hear about the Nets. Let's Dude, go. Here's all you have to hear. Timote Luau Cabro, an ex-sixer, has been the best player on a team that is on a two-game winning streak. How did, you, how did you, you manage to games. turn the Nets into about the Sixers? This is exactly what I mean about earlier. You can be a Suns <laughs> fan. You can just have it. Mike would rather you be a Suns fan and be able to talk about the Suns and not have to have, hear about the 76ers than he goes, he goes, the I opposite. Talk to- and I'm completely here for it. <laughs> I go. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. A guy who's been on four teams. <laughs> no, but like seriously, the Nets. I, obviously, like a lot of people are making jokes about their like their own G League team, but they have been holding their own, and they have some players that have really just stepped up that I never would have thought. Like I figured Jared Allen would be a solid player. I figured they'd have I don't know a couple of games maybe. I thought Jamal Crawford was going to be lacing it up, but we've basically been seeing just a lot of Cabrero. Yeah, a lot of Chris Kioza. Some well, our boy. What's his name? Some yeah, I don't know which one? Some. Oh, what's his name? What the he won the three point contest. Oh, Joe Harris. Joe Harris. <laughs> Harris Levert had a good game the other day. There's just a lot of players in that team where you're like, oh, those are all okay players, but they have been really just not the worst team in the bubble. Yeah, I'm a big fan of University of Texas Center. So I was really excited when Jared Allen got drafted by the Nets. 
I thought he was a really good shot blocker, and I thought he worked really hard on offense and defense, so I really liked that pick by the Nets. But someone I want to talk about with the Nets is Chris Gios. I really liked the way he played this season. He got to play a lot considering Kyrie Irving was injured for most of the season. But I know Vince will remember this player. He reminds me exactly of... Xavier Henry. No, not Xavier Henry. I wish it was, though. I love that guy. Grievous Vasquez. Oh, God. And I don't know if it's the... I don't know if it's the way he plays or or just considering that like he somehow gets eight assists, nine assists. He's a good player. I think he's a lot quicker than Grievous Vasquez was. He was a lot slower and a lot more methodical, but somehow, some way, he gets an enormous amount of assists. It's super impressive, and in the coming years, if he's still getting minutes with the Nets or with another team, he's a great option if you just need assists. To me, they're almost the same player. Kyrgios Vasquez and Jose Calderon. Sometimes when I watch Chris Kyrgios play, it reminds me of Jose Calderon, to be honest. Yeah, Vasquez and Calderon play for the Raptors at the time. That's where I thought they played their best. But yeah, definitely reminds me of those three players. Nothing flashy, just a good role player, great at facilitating. Do you want to talk your talk with Fred Van Vliet before we finish up here? Because you deserve it. <laughs> he's been He's been like their best player. He's been like the best player on the Raptors, I feel like. Siaka's been playing great. Kyle Lowry has been telling dudes what room he's in and like, <laughs> their bench players have been doing well. Like the Raptors have been awesome, but definitely Fred Van Vliet has been a big reason for that. Yeah. Unfortunately, he's not telling dudes what room number he is, but <laughs> he's not as chippy as Kyle Lowry, but I've talked enough about Fred Van Vliet. He's just showing why I talk so much about him, why I think he's going to be a top 10 point guard next year. There's nothing more to say about him. He's going to be a Piston next year. Fred Van Vliet to the Pistons, baby. Manifest it. Dude, I was actually thinking about it. Where do we think... Whiteside would fit well. The Nets. The Nets the have Nets. Jared Allen and DJ. Yeah. And, and they have three centers jo- right now. They have DeAndre Jordan, but I don't think he fits there well. He doesn't DeAndre fit well. Jordan, Jared, Jared Allen, Allen is awesome. I know. I like Nicholas Claxton too. too. I just don't think he's ready yet. Well, yeah, he just has. He hasn't because much. next season they're going to be competing. They're going to have Kevin Durant and Irving, and you put Whiteside on that team, just like you know he brought the. He brought the level up with the Trailblazers. I think he'll take a pay cut to go play with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and make a run at it. So you think Hassan Whiteside is just a couple of years behind DeMarcus Cousins? I was say, I don't think that Whiteside really cares about winning. I think he just wants to get his bag, and, and that's about it. I don't see him taking a pay cut anywhere. He's going to go somewhere that's going to pay him. He, he's not. No, that's gonna... a good point. I mean, he was that was that was said, his that was the complaint in Miami, and, yeah. and then when he went to Portland, no offense, he just wasn't playing like he wanted to win, like he just yeah. And I don't know if that comes with centers tend to have a, a peak a lot earlier in their career than other players, or what the case might be. But he's not hustling. Like I watch him, play, and, and, and then people will be bashing, then he'll have a good game, and he, he'll he'll talk some smack or something. But that's about it. He just wants to get paid, and I think he made a comment about that and. And with the whole thing of leaving Miami, like he's after he's after that. I don't see him after rings. I'm not saying he's ring chasing. He'd much rather be secure the money than have a chance to win a championship, like you said. And I think Demarcus is the, is the same way. I think last season we kind of got deceived because signed with the Warriors trying to win a championship, or the year before. Now he went to the but Lakers. he did that. He's ring chasing. But he's doing that because he was injured. People. We're giving him a chance, but he, they were giving him nowhere near the money he wants to get. Why would he pay two, three years with another team, the Knicks? God, why would you want to go to the Knicks? <laughs> like, you couldn't, you couldn't pay Dikas enough. And the problem is they weren't paying him enough to begin with. I don't know what teams were, were chasing after him, but they were maybe offering $5, 10000000 million, 
where he wants a max contract. He knows the ability he can play at. He wants the money at that value. But his injury brought his stock down a lot. And he said, you know what? Instead of getting a few more million on a worse team, why wouldn't I go to the Lakers? Why wouldn't I go to the Golden State and try to help them win a championship? I think one key factor that you're missing here when comparing Desan Whiteside to DeMarcus Cousins is that DeMarcus Cousins was never Dwight Howard's backup. <laughs> that immediately puts Hassan Whiteside in a higher echelon. And also as a Miami Heat backup, because also Bam Adebayo was Hassan Whiteside's backup, and now he's probably a top five center in the NBA. So Hassan Whiteside as a Miami Heat ex-backup is going to get the bag and the rings. Did you guys see how uh, Kyle Kuzma said, and I quote, I'm starting on most teams in this league, and everyone knows it. It might be somewhat because of him. It might also be because everywhere he goes, the situation doesn't warrant developing players more so than just finding guys who are ready and can solidly contribute. I think you put that the best way possible. Like that, I, I couldn't even say that. I couldn't even, but you said it perfectly. Like when LeBron James is on a team, we're not trying to develop anyone. We're trying to win as many <laughs> championships as you can. You're not worried about developing a young rookie and trying to get him to be better. You're worried about who's going to play in the court right now and who's going to give us the best chance of winning a championship. And I think Kyle Kuzma is a good player. I was joking when I said he peaked as a rookie, but he did have a really good rookie season. Like you said, it's hard to play behind LeBron James. It's hard to play behind Anthony Davis. They weren't a lot of the ball, a lot of attention. But if I saw Kyle Kuzma go to a different team, I wouldn't really expect a huge jump. We expected a really big jump from Lonzo Ball. Brandon Ingram had a really big jump, but I think Brandon Ingram had a lot more potential from the start, you know, being the second overall pick. Kyle Kuzma's potential, but not stardom potential. I mean, I, I at least like uh, Kuzma's mentality, yeah. especially when he says uh, it doesn't matter if Jesus is guarding him, he's still making that shot. So Yeah, it's important to be confident. <laughs> it's important to be confident, but uh, I think that you could at least be locked down by someone. And I wanted to say this early on, I completely forgot. I don't want to scare anyone with this comparison, but Mikel Bridges has the build of Kawhi Leonard when he was drafted. Dude, I was going to say And that I don't want to scare anybody. I'm so not. But they are the same player, like, as a rookie. Like, Kawhi Leonard couldn't shoot very well. I remember specifically a sports science episode where they actually taught Kawhi Leonard how to shoot. And he was, like, dumbfounded. I need to find the, I need to find the video again because, like, you can just see his face, like, change. Like, he takes 10 shots and makes, like, three of them. And then the guy's like, hey, straighten your elbow. And Kawhi Leonard's like, okay. And then he, like, makes 10 in a row. And I think that was the changing point. But... Like Al Bridges actually has the body build of Kawhi Leonard. I don't know if he has the mentality that he has. Well, he has like, a robot. Yeah, he exactly. Feelings. Like, <laughs> exactly. Uh-huh. And, and that's <laughs> and that's Kawhi Leonard's best attribute is that he's he's unbothered by everything. He's just got like the mentality that nothing's gonna stop him. And I'm not saying Bridges doesn't, but Bridges is a long way from Kawhi Leonard. But he definitely has that. They came in the same way. Kawhi Leonard actually has, like, near-perfect shooting form, too. Like, he shoots it the exact same way every single time. Yeah, but you should see him He's like when he came in as a rookie. Yeah, he was not a very good scorer, and a lot of people doubted him as a result of that. But I think that development under the Spurs and Greg Popovich, like, talk about a team that develops young talent. I can't tell you the last time the Spurs had a pick that just flopped. I don't know if this is because they're drafting better than everyone else. I think it's literally just because they're very good at developing their players. Like you look at Lottie Walker, the fourth this year, or like Derek White or DeJounte Murray, like they haven't had a bad pick in a while. And I don't think it's because they're scouting hundred percent. I think it's because they're really good at creating good NBA players. And I think that Kawhi was definitely 
took advantage of that and improved a ton while he was there. Yeah, if Mikel also has the fortune to develop in the same way, then we could be amongst the first people to have known it. I mean, raise your hand if you remember Jonathan Simmons. Oh, I love that guy. <laughs> what was he, the first? Some with the G League. No, Jonathan Simmons, he was working, I don't know, just, just a regular job, and he had to pay to get a tryout with the G League team. He made the G League team, you know, like as basically a walk-on, worked his way to a starter, to a star on his G League team, had a chance at the Spurs, and became a starter. He's got the best story into the NBA that I'd like to hear. But that just shows the ability that the Spurs have to seek out talent from everywhere and get the best out of all their players. Yeah, Jonathan Simmons probably has the second most talent of any guy with the last name of Simmons. And so I want to talk about the Sixers a little bit here. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's end it before I hear another six. All right, actually, before I say that, the Sixers are beating the Suns. So I'm sorry, Mike. The Spurs are going to make the playoffs. Wait, what? The Sixers are beating the Suns? Yeah. Oh, this is like the worst way to end this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so we got to go watch that game now. Say it ain't so. Yep. Oh, I, Vince, I take it back. <laughs> what, what a way to end it. I after, know. After hating on Vincent this whole time, that my team. And they don't even have Simmons or Embiid. Well, they have Shake Milton, remember? That's true. And, and, and Vince and picked Lamar him up. And Mute or whatever nah. Vince said. <laughs> oh, God. What's his name? Luke. Timote Luwalu Cabra. He was drafted by the 76ers. We should be on the all NBA fans butchering names team. Dude, if we had an outtake, That's Giuseppe, dude. If we had Giuseppe, we'll talk about Josh Smith and mispronounce his name. If we had an outtake, Josh Smith. Dude, I don't know. It's like a secret, man. I can't say names the first time. You gotta I stop watching that. Flight, dude. Huh? A compo. You gotta stop watching Flight, man. We got a compo, and who, who is this Rudy God? Who is this man? I've never even heard of him. I didn't even know he was drafted. Look at Curry, man. Look at Curry. <laughs> Uh, look, look at Chris Kiyosa, man. So inspirational. Uh, oh, my God. Dude, we, we should that's do outtakes of just me missing, missing, messing up names. Dude, I'm telling you, one of these days, I'm going to create an entire video that is every time you've mispronounced a name. And then me saying, like, We're going to make a shit. song out of it. It's going to have auto-tune. Oh, my God. I would love that. <laughs> it becomes the fantasy podcast theme song. Dude. <laughs> Welcome to the Flashy Stats Fantasy Podcast. The, 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 Brogdon. Uh, yeah, no, I'm just, I've always been a huge fan of Damian Lillard. I can't say it. Chris Churro. How do you guys feel about Chris Chorizo? When I said that, I was laughing so hard. Oh, bro, also, a name you always goof is Shea Gilgis Alexander. Oh, I can't that, say it. Why do you think I just say And you say love SGA? him, but you can't say it. I cannot. Name. I can't even say Fred Van Fleet. Van Fleet? <laughs> Fleet, no. Can you give me a... Can you I've give been me practicing. DJ Augustine. No, I can't. He's going to be in the Bulls next season. You guys are going to be so upset. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Is that, is that <laughs> even close? Oh, my God. I saw... I'm just going to start saying a Kung Po. Vince, remember that thing when I said it, it was like Enten Kumpo or whatever. Like it was like this YouTube video. It was like the first time, like he was a rookie. And it was like, oh yeah, Enten Pupo. <laughs> I don't know what he said, but it was just so funny the way he said it. I can't wait to get to our centers. I think like four or five times we mentioned top five centers in the league, but there's like ten people. So I let, I can't wait to see where we actually rank these guys. I think centers is like shooting guards. 
where you have a lot of really great players, but then at like a certain point, and we'll probably talk about tomorrow like our top twenty and top thirty episodes for point guards, but they just drop off significantly, and then there's just a bunch of players that are just good. Like like you have a lot of like you have probably like ten or fifteen great centers and shooting guards, and then a million just good ones. Like Nicholas Claxton. <laughs> fantasy wise, no. I'm well, on, fantasy I'm wise, he's he's not existent. He will be. If we agree to it early enough, as in right now, I will hop on the Nicholas Claxton bandwagon with you guys, and we might be the founders of it. Absolutely. <laughs> I'll change the podcast name. All right. Nicholas Claxton <laughs> Fantasy Podcast. <laughs> yes. I, I'm hopping on the bandwagon. All right. Well, I think Nicholas Claxton is as good a place to end this thing as any. Guys, I had a lot of fun talking through all of what's been going on in the bubble, intermixing it with where we think it's going to land players for next year. We hope that you enjoyed listening to us blab out about these players as much as we enjoyed doing it. If you had fun with today's episode and you want to be notified for future ones, please make sure that you subscribe to our podcast below. Follow us on Twitter at FlashyStatsPod. Make sure to DM us. We'll be taking suggestions. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Make sure to tune in for our next one. I'm not going to promise a specific day for it because I don't think we've ever held to that. But we will be talking about the top 20 shooting guards for the 2020-2021 fantasy season. Did you guys see how uh, Kyle Kuzma said, and I quote, I'm starting on most teams in this league, and everyone knows it.